century. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from Megaware Keelguard Studios. Let's get ready to bass edge. Aaron, here we go, brother. Episode 347, March 1st, 2021. We are rolling through just a wild winter, Aaron, and uh, I, I feel like spring is upon us or at least right around the corner for most everyone. Well, certainly the calendar tells us that, Kurt, but I, I've got to ask, uh, did you have to get your snow shovel out that you do not own in Del Rio? Texas, considering you had 10 inches of measurable snow here not too long ago. Man, Aaron, it was it was a wild week uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, fortunately for me, I hung out in Florida while it happened, so uh, I didn't get to experience it. All I did is see a bunch of photos, but my neighbor did send me a photo with a winter wonderland in my front yard, and you're exactly right. 10, 11 inches of snow down here in Del Rio, Texas. I mean, look, just so people are clear, I live on the Mexican border right? Like two miles away. Behind my house, I can see Mexico. It's pure, clean as day. And it was a winter white wonderland here. Well, certainly, I mean, you know, I I don't want to uh, go without, you know, pointing out our hearts are certainly out with, I I know you were in Florida, (laughs) Kurt, but man, that uh, with power outages and water shortages and just to see that polar vortex dip that far south crazy times man so hopefully everybody is is safe and and restored back uh, at least to power and and clean water i'm sure the recovery is going to be a little bit lengthy but man that stressed everybody out i'm sure oh yeah well you know as soon as i got home store shelves were totally empty and uh i'm assuming the recovery although it's it's mostly happened by now here you know first of march obviously but it's still one of those situations like you say i mean people went through a a struggle a tough time there for several days i mean camping became the norm and uh and uh certainly if if they haven't recovered yet and still you know praying for all texans and making sure that they uh, got through that wild mess And, and it was cold up in your part two you told me like negative three or something insane it was. And, um, you know, ironically, we were supposed to have a BFL, um, that, that latter part into that third week of, of February when all this was going on. It actually got canceled. Uh, I got pictures from Lake of the Ozarks from a buddy of mine that, uh, into the Niangua. It was completely frozen over. I think I've seen that once, one other time, you know, in my lifetime, Kurt. So very odd. Yeah. Very odd times. And, um, anyway, glad that's behind us. And, yeah. And like you said, everybody is certainly in our, in our thoughts and prayers. And, you know, I do want to throw out the mention, you know, Kurt, Megaware Keelguard has been by our side um, from day one, one of our supporting uh, presenting sponsors, I should say, of Bass Edge Radio uh, since day one. And certainly want to encourage as as we're getting our boats kind of, you know, out of storage and, and hopefully ready to put on the water. Make sure that you have your boat protected with all things Megaware Keelguard because Megaware, quite honestly, the, you know, as Kurt, we've talked about before, there really is only one do-it-yourself keel protector in the market, and that has the MegaWare logo on it. And that's the only one to have, in my opinion, but certainly they have more things than just the keel guard. We've got the, the Flex Step, the Skeg Guard, the Scuff Buster. So make sure and check out all things MegaWare at keelguard.com. Yeah, great tips there, Aaron. You know, we talked about the cold, how it was going to affect us, and uh, as far as how it affected 
things that happen in life. But uh, I'm really interested to talk about how obviously this affects the fishing. And um, I had an opportunity to meet with a um, high school bass club just the past few days, and that's Bernie Bass Club there in Bernie, Texas. So shout out to the club out there, man. Had a great evening talking with them. They were preparing for an event that they just actually completed on Canyon Lake, just north of San Antonio. We talked about how a lot of this fish in South Texas, we had a, a pretty warm winter overall, other than the last several weeks. And uh, fish were really in that pre-spawn, even some lakes just south of San Antonio, fish were already spawning. And um, how this was going to push fish back into some lakes, uh, you know, into their winter mode, and uh, certainly back into their pre-spawn mode, and kind of realign everything and shift things and um, how, you know, some tactics that were starting to take place, like, you know, the pre-spawn and spawning and fish were really shallow, how you would have to back off to that first drop off or those creek channel turns, secondary points, and um, start to realign your presentations from maybe slow kind of spawning presentations into a faster, more horizontal approach with, you know, spinner baits, crank baits, jerk baits, and, and kind of changing that focus into that pre-spawn and even in some cases winter mode. How do you think that affected fish in your area? Obviously, they were probably still in those winter patterns. I mean, when you get frozen temps like that, I heard I saw Bull Shoals was frozen over as well. How does that affect the fish there in your section of the country, Aaron? Well, no doubt. I've got to believe that uh, we are going to see a setback, Kurt. I mean, just in the, the, the sheer sense of all of the cold water that will be coming in from the snowmelt. I mean, we had probably, depending on what part of the country of, or I should say, what part of Missouri, you know, that you're in, uh, some places had as much as 10 to 12 inches of snow. Like you mentioned, uh, lakes frozen over. Um, you know, we talked so much. Matter of fact, I think you brought this up in the last episode, Kurt. Kind of that 63 degrees surface temperature is kind of the magic uh, number when fish start moving, you know, into the kind of the magic happens, right? With the, and yeah, then you couple yeah. that with the moon phase. I got to believe there's going to be somewhat of a setback that. Uh, those fish are going to be hanging out. And, and you know, we've got another BFL coming up on Lake of the Ozarks here uh, just right around the corner a week after this that shortly happens. So I've got to think that, that we are going to see some delay in that uh, in that happening. Yeah, behavioral patterns. It's, it's going to be an interesting spring. It's going to be interesting to see how long this really affects, you know, that typical March and mid-March seasonal movement from bass so uh, y'all keep that in mind when you're going to hit the water don't forget that these fish got pushed back a lot so typically in the springtime we want to make them more shallow than they are earlier than they are and and uh, maybe twice pushed back this year so uh keep that in mind when you guys go out there and hit the water a lot of great stuff to keep in mind and we've got a tip coming up right now from protecttheharvest.com y'all stay tuned in this episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip, we've got MLF Pro Circuit Angler, Trevor Fitzgerald. Hey guys, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, braided line. You know, we get a lot of questions about what pound line to use for what technique. As far as the brand goes, I use the Fitzgerald Fishing Versa Braid, um, the eight strand. You know, we offer it in both green and black. The color's personal preference, but for me, when I'm casting anything like a, say a worm or topwater, you know, it's 40-pound braid for me. You get a lot longer, smoother casts with 40 than you do the, the bigger line. 
And then once I transitioned into frogging or flipping the heavy vegetation type style of fishing, I go straight to 65. It's easy to keep track of. You know, you know your frogging and flipping rods have 65, 65 casts just as good as 50 and is extremely strong and uh you know a lot of guys ask is 80 necessary 80 is really good for like when you're punching if you had to go up to like a two ounce or two and a quarter ounce weight you know and the thickest stuff imaginable that's when i'll use 80 but for the most part for me it's mostly 40 and 65 those two really get the job done for me you know across the board awesome trevor great tip brought to you by protecttheharvest.com First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. You know, Kurt, we were talking about the polar vortex with the odd weather, uh, <laughs> massive amounts of, of snowfall. I, w- I will tell you, I found a uh, a new use for, uh, you know, the pure clean descaler that we have that everybody's yeah. been raving about on the website. Great stuff. You know, I, I had to uh, make an adjustment, take my boat over to get some work done on, on the motor height on the hydraulic jack plate. And, you know, I thought I had it timed out to where I could stay out of the, uh, you know, the salt and stuff like that. Anyway, not so much. Right. Um, so it had salt all over it. Well, you and I are kind of the same way. We like to take care of our stuff. That's right. And, um, you know, trying to get that, that road grime and that salt off. I'm like, you know what? I use it on my motor to take the hard water off. I'm going to see if it'll cut through salt. So anyway, I gave it a good bath and, uh, man, it looked brand new by the time I was done with it. So anyway, just, uh, another use as we kind yeah. of talk through our stuff. Pure clean is a great product, man. Hard water all over the country, you know, specifically in, rocky impoundments you know not not so much like down in florida you know still helps but man when you get on some of these rocky lakes especially like where you're at in the midwest where i'm at in the southwest anything west of the mississippi just seems like a rock hard water haven lots of limestone (laughs) lots of limestone and and those uh the the black motor that i run of course the mercury uh the those water spots show up uh quite well on my black power poles and the mercury so anyway i always keep a little spray bottle of that stuff but for those that are interested make sure and go to uh bassedge.com and uh you can pick up a bottle of that in the meantime kurt i wanted to get your opinion lots of stuff going on the last couple weeks okeechobee st john's toho talk to me about that yeah those three that you mentioned all previous bass edge guests uh so okeechobee 
pro circuit, MLF pro circuit, you had uh, Skeet Reese, you know, banging out the win there. So uh, his his return to the five fish format was a, you know, a firework, you know, as, as sure. he always puts on. He always puts on some fireworks, very flamboyant uh, character in the sport, which is, is cool to see. Good for Skeet. And, uh, you know, we had this other gentleman on our show before. He was a co-angler extraordinaire, Brian New. Remember that episode. You got to go back several years. Brian New, man, the guy has just been on fire the last several years, but now he has qualified for the Elite Series, comes out of the gate, Elite Series rookie, bam, chalk up the W. So uh, he was your winner down at the Elite Series in St. John's. And then, of course, uh, the Toyota Series events, Brian Schmidt, another Bass Edge guest, as I mentioned, talked about uh, you know his swim jig, which he talks about swim jig technique here, but also caught a lot of fish on a lipless crankbait down there at Toho. And uh, there was also another Toyota event with uh, MLF Pro Circuit Angler 1, uh, Jimmy Washburn, I believe is how you say his last name, but, but uh, he won there at Lake Gunnersville. Also fishing some grass and uh, Gunnersville always hot with the vibrating jig this time of year, pre-spawn, late winter, early pre-spawn. But I mean, just so much, you know, not only great information to learn here from Bassage Radio, but great information to take from all of those events too, man. Just the, the learning never stops in the world of bass fishing. And, and now so many tournaments, Aaron. I mean, just constant tournaments uh, now that the spring is kind of kicked off and and uh, so many ways to learn how to catch fish. So keep staying in tune with all those organizations. Great information. And um, Aaron, we've got a pro circuit angler that uh, busted a top five. Been pretty hot. Bass Edge friend. Y'all stay tuned. We're going to move on to the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Hang tight. This is FLW Tour Pro Brian Latimer. This is Bass Pro Tour Angler Ott Defoe. Hey, everybody. This is Pro Angler Kevin Short. This is BASS Elite Series Professional Kelly J. I'm FLW Tour Angler Scott Ashmore. This is Professional Bass Angler Brad Holm, and you're listening to Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Aaron, we have a returning guest to the show. One that's been, well, I, I think he's becoming a Bass Edge staple. And it's so good to have him back. You know, he's been on a tear over these last 12 months. I got to tell you, we'll have to talk to him about it. Maybe his best stretch in, in a few years. But something's clicking with this guy. Just comes off a top 10 at the MLF Pro Circuit event at Lake Okeechobee in Florida. Welcome back to the show, MLF Pro Circuit and Lucas Oil Angler, 
Bill McDonald. Great to have you on the show, Bill. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I always love being on a part of your show there. Yeah, Bill, it goes way back. I mean, uh, hard to believe we're on episode 347, and certainly you were there in the early days and uh, always enjoy catching up with you. And and like Kurt said, congratulations on a uh, top five down in Florida. That's a great way to get the season started. I was very blessed, to say the least. And nobody's probably more surprised than I was. (laughs) So it's all good. Well, Bill, you know, you seem to do well over the years in Florida. You know, there's something that's clicking with you there, at least, you know, from my, you know, I, I always do a lot of research. I'm just a freaking fishing nut, to be quite honest with you. And and I like to kind of see where things progress. And one of the key ingredients to being successful early in the year is catching some big fish. And Florida is one of those places where you've got to have a big fish in your bag to compete. And, and you've been able to do that consistently. What do you feel like is clicking with you down in Florida in that, you know, kind of spawn, pre-spawn? Usually we're there, you know, January, February. Tell us more about how Florida's clicking with Bill McDonald. You know, I, I love fishing Florida. And as a kid, my parents used to take us to Lake Kissimmee. We would We'd cut school for a week and we would go to Kissimmee, either March or February, whichever way the moon phase was right. And, you know, we didn't have a bass boat. We had a V-bottom boat. We didn't even have a trolling motor, but we had a buddy that was a guide down there. And he would take us into areas and say, hey, fish this area today. And we didn't know any better. We got out. We waited the whole time. And by waiting, I <laughs> yeah, learned that, so much. Wait, 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 wait. We got to visit that real quick. You're waiting in Florida. Got the whole gator thing going. I mean, did you ever the see gator? creepy eyeballs? Oh, we seen lots of creepy eyeballs. And, and he assured us, you know, they wouldn't bother us out where we were at. But I learned so much about the bottom. And the whole key to Florida to me is the bottom. And by waiting, you know, you would spend, and you know, we'd, we'd wait all day, but you, we'd walk around and then all of a sudden you'd find a patch where, you know, there, it wasn't mushy between your toes. It was rock hard. And it might be a three to six inch variation in the depth up or down. And all of a sudden you'd start getting bit a bunch. And from that, you know, it just, we built on that there. And my whole practice was spent trying to find the right bottom content. And with Lake Okeechobee, Lake Okeechobee has changed drastically in the last few years, some because of the hurricane, but mostly because of the spraying that's going on. And they're spraying all those hyacinths, and a lot of those really good spawning areas that we had, they've sprayed so much of that hyacinth, when it dies, it goes to the bottom and turns to mud. And, you know, all that area just north of Dye's Ditch used to be a fantastic spawning area. And I spent two days in there, and I think I caught one fish, but every time I stuck my rod in the bottom, you know, I'd had three or four inches of muck on a rod. So I think a big key is, is trying to find a right bottom that's there. And then, of course, water clarity is a key as well. And just going from that, you know, and then start building from there on where those fish stage at when they come in and where they're going to. It's funny that you mentioned, Bill, about sticking your rod in the water and and, uh, because I remember, I forget who it was, Kurt, perhaps you might remember, but we had an angler on one of the episodes that would carry a piece of just, uh, you know, conduit, just the old metal conduit, and they would use that when they would shove it down, and if it tinged, you know, and and you could feel that vibration on that conduit, that was kind of a bottom or an area that they wanted to fish. So anyway, very interesting that that you speak of the bottom, and I can tell you one thing about your point with the gators. If Kurt and I are waiting, I can promise you I'm going to have a... uh, 
pouch full of chicken livers I'm going to be throwing out behind Kurt so that it keeps the gators away from me. But uh, anyway, I heard you mention uh, several times, basically on the live broadcast during the event, you're visualizing a bass being on your next flip or, or cast. What are you looking for when you kind of uh, distinguish or, or make that recognition? And, and how important is that overall in bass fishing, specifically during the springtime? Well, I'm from Indiana, so we get five or six fish here. We take turns catching. And the thing <laughs> about that is, is you know, you got to be mentally prepared at all times. And what I was looking for, I mean, I was fishing reed clumps, you know, cattails, buggy whips, and some arrowheads was what I was keying on. And those fish... They go to there to spawn. And, you know, one thing that I did, I think that I did it was maybe a little bit different than the other guys was I fished extremely, extremely, extremely slow. And I visualize when I pitch that bait into that reed, I think there's a fish sitting there spawning. And as that bait goes in, I was using a three eighth ounce tungsten weight. And I think that, you know, it spooks that fish anytime something comes in and it kind of moves a little bit. But then you just sit there and hold that bait perfectly still and that fish will ease up there and very few of the bites did they really thump the bait. Most of them, it would just get heavy and just start moving off. So letting that bait soak in that bait, I guess is the best way to put it, was one of the keys. And, you know, I throw fluorocarbon line, I throw Seaguar Tatsu, and I think that, you know, I get more bites in my mind throwing the uh, fluorocarbon than I do the braid. The braid just makes a different sound in the water and, you know, do you break off some fish? You do, especially fish in that type of cover. But I just, you know, the bites are so much more than, you know, the guys around me throwing the braid that I've seen. I was getting twice as many bites as they were. And I'll take those chances. Right. When you're talking about the reed clumps, the arrowheads, uh, buggy whips that, that you mentioned in the visualization and, and you're flipping in that reed clump, are you actually like, you know, obviously you, you mentioned visualizing a fish maybe spawning in a, in a spot. Are you throwing to open areas? Are you trying to concentrate right inside the thick of the reeds? Or when you visualize that, I mean, it's difficult to dive into, obviously, but if you could take us inside of your mind when you see what you're looking at, what is it that you're really trying to focus on? Because when you fish slow, particularly in Florida or anywhere in the springtime, you don't cover a whole lot of water. And casts and that visualization becomes a premium. If you're not seeing what the fish are actually doing or visualizing what the fish are actually doing, then then you're not going to get as many bites. And, and you did it better than 95% of the people in the field. So really wanted to dive a little bit farther into that process that's going through your mind when you see that visualization. You know, that whole tournament, I only fished about a 100-yard stretch the whole time. And the clumps, you know, if there was a single reed, I pitched to every reed I seen. So if there was a single reed, I would pitch to that single reed. But if there was a cluster of reeds, if it made any type of indentation in there, a V, an oval type opening in there, I would pitch to it, and then I would pitch to each point of those reeds as well. As time went on, you know, guys were running around in there, and there's hay grass in there. It wasn't mats, but there was some clusters of broken grass that would get up around those reeds as well. And always, you know, I'd pick those apart very good. But if it made any type of indentation in those reeds at all, 
you know, I just looked at, you know, when a fish makes a bed, they like to have something around them or something over them. And I just try to visualize like that little oval spot in those reeds right there is where I would build a bed if I was the fish. And then, like I said, I'd pitch to it and let it set in there. Great explanation. I can see that. I think that that was phenomenal. You know, we're getting ready to, uh, from a pro circuit perspective, getting ready to coach some cooler water temps totally different type of fishery uh after having some great success your beginning of 2020 down there at sam rayburn now even having better success this year in your opening tournament at uh, lake okeechobee you're preparing for a pre-spawn event on a highland reservoir that's going to go down in a few weeks how does your thought process change to prepare for a totally different type of fishery I'm hoping it would ice over there and they'd send us back to Florida, <laughs> but that's not going to happen. So. It's, well, it's, but, possible. Uh, it's possible. It's if possible if we have another right vortex. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a pre-spawn deal. So, you know, going into that, looking right now, uh, I'm going to try to kind of look at those northern coves, you know, and try to figure out there. I mean, they're going to get the most sunshine day in, day out, without a doubt. So anything to the north getting the very most sun, not that that's the only place they're going to be, but on some of them areas, I'm definitely going to spend some time there. And then just trying to find, you know, that staging area where these pre-spawners are going to stage up at. And that's going to be the key. And two days of practice is tough. I wish we still had three days of practice, but it, it gives you a whole different mindset on, you know, Smith's not a big lake. I think it's, I don't know, 20-some thousand acres, but it's got like six or 700 miles of shoreline. It's just spread out so far that you can't cover the whole lake. So we're going to have to pick just a small area, or for myself anyway, I'm going to have to pick a small area and then go and try to break down and find those, those pre-staging areas there. Well, Bill, we're going to continue chatting about the pre-spawn, some preparations anglers can make to hit the water to be successful. Let's power pole down for a quick break. Bass Edge Radio will be right back. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the power pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift. PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by Mercury Marine returns with professional angler Bill McDonald in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. For oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements, be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store. It works. Well, Bill, as many top anglers, uh, you know, prep for getting out on the water as, as spring begins to creep into the southern half of the country, what type of places will you look for the bass as the water creeps kind of into the low 50s besides places that you don't have to wear a jacket exactly um you know i'm going to be on those i'm looking for ditches and drains this time of year and those fish are going to be on those edges i mean they're just like deer so i kind of relate it back to deer hunting but they're creatures of the edge and they're they're working their ways back to spawn and the moon phase is is a big key you know i think a lot of people and maybe I'm totally off base with this, but so many people get hung up on water temperature that, you know, we've got to be such and such water temperature before these fish are going to spawn that I think a whole lot of these fish, it's all 
related to the moon phase and the amount of daylight that enters that fish's eye is what triggers that spawning cycle. And a lot of these fish are back there a whole lot sooner than what we really want to think that they're they're back there. So, you know, I'll start in the backs of some of these creeks. I mean, I'll go all the way to the very back and then start working my way out trying to fish those ditches and those drains and seeing if I can't do an interception in between there. And then if I can find them in one cove, then I should be able to go ahead and duplicate that from another cove to another cove that lays out like that. Built bait selection can be critical this time of year. You know, lures that you lean on in these situations uh, you mentioned earlier about looking for those pre-spawners. Uh, you, you know, you just talked about moving from the back to toward the front and, and trying to intercept those likely areas to where you can create a pattern to duplicate. Um, what kind of lures generally hit the top of your deck first thing this time of year water temps you know kind of those low 50s and, and i might even say high 40s right i mean you're, you're going to lake of the ozarks you, you're going to be at the toyota event and um you're going to be dealing with some super cold water temps so what do you feel like is it a moving bait still on your deck is it more slower presentations what's your thought process as as you move toward lures you know you always got to have a jerk bait tied on so definitely I have a couple different jerk baits. I'll have, you know, a, just a regular jerk bait. Then I'll have a deep diving jerk bait tied on. And then I'll have a, a tight wobble crankbait, you know, something that, that's thin. You know, we make a lucky shed that's got a real tight wobble to it. I don't want something that's big and erratic wobble to it. And then from there, you know, you never go fishing ever without a jig. And play with the jig. Spinner bait will also be on a deck. And a thunder cricket, you know, it just, those are baits that, you know, the, the spinner bait, especially, you know, I've had some success on pre-spawn with a spinner bait, throwing a big spinner bait with a big blade, just as slow as I can possibly crank it with that blade turning and keep it close to the bottom and just covering some water till you can intercept a fish and then figure out. And just like the jerk bait, we all got our cadences that we want to do. But sometimes it's letting that thing just set longer and longer and longer between the jerks, which is, you know, painstakingly slow. But if that's what it takes to trigger to bite, then that's that's what it's going to take to trigger to bite. So, Bill, I want to get your thoughts, not uh, not something that we spend a lot of time or energy talking about. But how do you feel about the time of day and the effect on the fish activity? Do you think that that plays a big role with water temps you know in the low to mid 50s do you see things change as the day gets you know the sun gets more straight up or later into the afternoon what's your thoughts there oh definitely i mean the the longer the sun's out there the warmer that water gets the more active those fish get without a doubt but the other key too is is i use an app it's called isolunar and i'm a big believer in the moon phases and the major minor times as far as the fishing goes, you know, those timetables are pretty well spot on. And even in Florida, I mean, each morning was a key, but but we had a major feeding time that was set up dead on those times, you know, so I always pay attention to that. And even during tournament days, I always want to make sure I'm on what I call my prime areas during those major or minor feed times. But the longer the sun's out there, you know, the more active I think those fish get without a doubt. When you talk about those feeding times and, and you're like practicing and trying to figure things out, do you tend to move a little faster and, and cover more water if you're not getting bites during those peak feeding hours? Does it? So really what I'm saying, does it affect the way that you fish during those peak 
feeding hours versus the lower activity hours? I don't think so. I think we all try to fish too much. And even like in Florida there, I picked an area that, you know, I'd had a little bit of success in in the past. And I just went in there and just tried to milk that area to figure out how to make those fish bite in there. And, you know, one thing, and I know I'm backing up a little bit, but was a key there was those fish were in that hay grass. They were staged up in that hay grass. And as the night went on and we got closer to the tournament, those nights were warmer and warmer. And those fish, you know, they moved drastically uh, in those last two days. I mean, from Tuesday night till Thursday morning, those fish had made a big move into those reeds. And by watching that temperature, I felt like those fish were moving. And I went to the reeds, and that hunch played off good. And the same here. I mean, as these spring nights get warmer and warmer, you know, you might have catch those fish out, you know, on a 10-foot drop today. And in two days, we've had a couple warm nights. And those fish, like I said, they'll make a drastic move. So you kind of got to keep an open mind and just keep moving with the fish on that. That answers that question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Bill, huge kick lately on the show of talking about live scope, you know, forward-facing sonar in general. I think we're going to end up taking this, Aaron, to a process where we talk about this and how people like to use it throughout different behavioral cycles through the year. And Bill, want to ask you that question. How is that technology affecting the way you fish specifically during this kind of winter moving into this pre-spawn behavioral cycle how is that forward-facing sonar you know affecting the way that you locate bass if you're not using it you're getting beat by somebody that is that's the plain fact but it just allows you to uh, you know i'm looking for cover is what i'm looking for and i can see the depth change so much easier now in front of me with that forward facing sonar and i'm looking for the bait you know in a pre-spawn type deal it's it's about the bait those fish are trying to feed up before the spawn so if you can find that bait you know usually you can find those fish so a lot of time is going to be spent you know just with the trolling motor fanning it back and forwards trying to find those balls of shad or those balls of herring depending on where you're going to and then if you can stay on that bait there those fish will be right there close to them and right underneath them ready to eat so for an ambush point. Great stuff. Okay. All right, guys, it's time for our Nitro Performance Bass Boats listener question segment. This question comes in from our Bass Edge Instagram account. Michael Silva asked this question. What are some key indicators that let you know bass have transitioned from winter patterns to pre-spawn? Moon phase, moon phase, moon phase. It's still a key. You know, new moon, uh, full moon is the key. Those water temperatures. And then, like I said, seeing where those shad have moved back. When those shad start to move, those fish are moving right with them. So I think that's one of the big keys right there. And again, are you, you know, you mentioned the iSolar Lunar app that you talked about a little earlier. I'm suggesting that, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that you're using that along with then the forward-facing sonar to identify the bait of where the bait's at that ultimately kind of tells you, you know, where the bass will be. Is that safe to say, Bill, then kind of compiled with, you know, the water temp? Yeah, and I mean, they're moving back, and, 
you go with the history too. I mean, we have so much technology that's out there now with the internet. You know, you can go on there and there's there's all kinds of blogs where people's telling you exactly what the fish are doing and whatnot. But, you know, those fish, I relate to fish like people. Some people live in the city, some live in the suburbs, and some live in the country. Fish are the exact same way. Some live shallow, some live mid-range, some live deep year-round. And fish your strengths, one of the biggest keys, you know, fish your strengths without a doubt. But uh, I tip for me, the best way is start in the very back and then start working your way out to see where they're at in there. Very interesting. Well, Bill, I certainly appreciate you helping Michael out on that question. And Michael, uh, one thing that we need from you, and that is to simply go to BassEdge.com, click the Claim Your Prize tab, fill out the information, and we will get the Bass Edge gift sent directly to you. And a reminder to Bass Edge listeners, keep firing those questions. We've had a lot of great questions coming to the show lately and uh, want to keep seeing them. So you can win a, another gift from Bass Edge in the following months. Email us, support at BassEdge.com. Or leave us a comment on our Facebook or Instagram media pages. Well, Bill, uh, certainly wish you a, a great uh, few weeks ahead of you. I know you're going to Lake of the Ozarks and then on to Lewis Smith, but uh, just make sure that you know you call me after Lake of the Ozarks because I'm going to be at uh, have a BFL going on directly after <laughs> you. So I I expect all the all the goods on the information up there. But now seriously, uh, we'll be rooting for you. And before we let you go, any closing uh, remarks for Bass Edge Nation? Guys, uh, you know, we're all driving the tournaments. We all spend a lot of time in the trucks. So take care of your vehicles. Make sure they're ready to go. But tune into these podcasts. I mean, you can go back and listen to podcast after podcast on Bass Edge Radio, and you can pick up pointers that will trigger things in your brain before you get to the water that morning. So use that time wisely while you're in that truck driving. So that's the biggest key out there. I got to say, that's the best tip I ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) That's good stuff, man. Couldn't agree more. Being mentally ready, mentally focused at the task at hand definitely will provide good preparation and hopefully success for all anglers. Bill, great to have you on the show again. Keep up the great work, brother. Good to see you at the top of the standings, making those championships. And, uh, you know, we're going to keep rooting for you. Y'all hang tight. Aaron and I will return with some closing thoughts in just a moment know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat megaware keel guard grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology megaware keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. 
Be at home with nature with nature-inspired art, decor, and gifts by Wild Wings at wildwings.com. Explore art prints and canvas wraps of bass, trout, walleye, muskie, and more by acclaimed artists like Mark Sassino. I primarily paint underwater scenes of game fish and usually in a fishing situation, going after prey or going after a lure or a fly. I get asked sometimes whether I like fishing better or artwork. It would be tough to give either of them up. I can't really think of a good reason to give either up, so I'm going to stick with them. Make your home, office, or cabin show off your passion for angling. Visit wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge and sign up for an exclusive offer to Bass Edge listeners of 10% off your next order. Give something special to your loved one and be at home with nature. Visit wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge. That's wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge to get 10% off your next order of nature-inspired art, decor, and gifts by Wild Wings. Another great Lucas Oil Angler spotlight uh, with Lucas Oil Angler, no doubt. Bill McDonald on that great segment. Um, you know, always taking some tidbits, and, and I dove into this a little deeper with Bill during the interview, and that was his visualization process. That that uh, question that you asked, Aaron, about what you had seen on the live episodes and him visualizing where those fish were sitting. I think that's, you know, obviously – productive for bill in this situation fish moving up spawning you know uh kind of getting in those bedding zones visualization can be taken in so many other behavioral patterns right aaron i mean you're looking at your graph you're seeing secondary points or channel swings or ditches um you know can you give us a couple examples aaron where you have utilized visualization in kind of seeing how fish are setting up in a specific circumstance. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and to your point, I, I could not agree more. I mean, in his particular instance, when he's talking about pitching it in there and soaking that jig, um, it, that sounds easier than what it is. And, you know, one of the ways that I've used it in the past is, right, Table Rock, lived there for eight and a half years and, and submerged trees and, and throwing kind of that swim bait. Uh, and I'm talking about, you know, your boats perhaps in 80 foot of water the trees come up to say top out at 40 feet and a lot of times uh, certain times of year those fish will hold over the tops of those trees uh, Mm -hmm. kind of on you know right around that bait well you know when you're looking at your graph and and that was before having you know the forward-looking sonar if we're working off of 2d a lot of times you would have to kind of you know picture okay what does this look like underwater and then try and make uh, several casts to get set up on that right to allow the bait to get down to the depth you know controlling the speed but you really have to stay in tune and have a constant mental focus of what your bait is doing down in at that depth for those those bass to come up and eat it so you know i would say that's one of the most ways um crucial ways that i've used it in the past and quite honestly that's kind of what helped you know way back when when we talk about those big fish that i was able to weigh in that's exactly what happened was just using that visualization being patient not getting too carried away on on the speed of the retrieve uh and and trying to stay focused you know in that point in time 
Yeah, so so many ways to use that throughout all times of the year, you know, just visualizing again, you know, seasonal behavior patterns, you know, you're looking at uh, a creek and and you and you see, okay, they're going to come in, they're going to hug this right-hand bank or this left-hand bank because that's where the channel swing, you know, moves up against the bank and then oh, there's a flat there in the back and oh, they might sit on this little drop off right before that flat at pre-spawn. So, visualization taken throughout all seasonal behavior patterns for bass fishing. I think that if you utilize the vision in your mind of seeing where fish are either setting up like Bill McDonald did, are positioned over top of certain situations like you did on Table Rock or any time that that comes into play, you're going to have a better understanding of the pattern that you figure out and that's in effect once you start getting a bite or two. So visualization, really important in sport of bass fishing. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, speaking of visualization, hopefully everybody is visualizing themselves out on the water catching bass as we speak. So with that uh, in mind, we are going to close down episode 347 for March 1st. In the meantime, be sure to stay up on all things Bass Edge through various social media bassedge.com and for kurt dove i am aaron martin and we look forward to the march 15th episode where kurt is sure to have another packed episode right here on bass edge radio so long everybody the edge is presented by megaware keel guard for more information on bass edge or to shop at the bass edge online store visit bassedge.com and be sure to join kurt dove and aaron martin right here on another episode of the edge brought to you in part by nitro boats lucas oil protecttheharvest.com mercury marine power pole and rapaholic.com